Bible at a very, very important verse, Exodus 12, 12. Exodus 12, 12, very important verse. This is the culmination of and the, the apex, if you will, of the Exodus story. Exodus 12, 12. We're going to just read one verse and then we're going to have one more word of prayer. God speaking through Moses says, I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. Now, would you please read with me after that semicolon and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. How many gods? Did you know there are gods besides the one true God acknowledged in the Bible? Right there. God himself said, I'm going to do what? I will against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. And the Amplified says proving their helplessness. Good luck if you don't have my God. My God is greater than your God. My God is always going to be greater than all the gods of Egypt. God is greater. Let's pray. Jesus, let your word find access. Lord, in the middle of maybe what we're shielding the world, what we're shielding others, from let your word find a place to have access God Lord we have so many reasons to build walls and protect ourselves protect our psyche but Lord help us today to let the guard down open up our hearts Jesus at the entrance of thy word there is light I pray that you let your light shine into our hearts today as we do our best to seek you and to know you like we've never known you before. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, I want to know you like I've never known you before. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen and amen. The Lord bless you. You're welcome to take your seats. Today we continue our series. It's a series on the extended chain of events. And there is a long line of events. There's weeks and weeks to go, depending how long we stretch out the Exodus story. And I'm praying about it, feel it very deeply in my spirit that there is a theme throughout the Bible that always goes back to Egypt and Exodus. It's all the way through even until the New Testament that amazing theme. God set it up so that it would always be an anchor point for his people for generations. They would always look back and remember the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did something really special and that's my heritage. That's my family and that's my history. 
And I'm going to claim it right now, right along with the Israelites. My history is that God took his people out of an impossible situation. He performed the impossible by bringing them out of a place that was harder to break jail than Alcatraz. I'm telling you, harder to break jail than Supermax in Florence, Colorado. Harder to break out. And that was in the midst of an Egyptian culture that they had for generations become infiltrated and intertwined with. They had become... They, folks, there's so much to talk about when it comes to the mixture. We haven't even talked about that, but they kind of started having fringes with mixture into the Egyptian uh, lines of, 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 uh, of culture and social life because there was a lot of Egyptians that found out about their God and came out with them when it was time to leave. So that's another time, another story for another day. But it is an incredible story that God wants us to remember today that where we are, no matter how difficult the situation may be, God has an exit strategy if we will let him do his miracle work. And the principles that we see clearly spelled out in the book of Exodus are principles that are historical, they are Eternal, they will never expire because that's the God, the God of this world, the God who created, the God who created all of creation. That same God is the God who had an interest in showing himself powerful enough to overwhelm the greatest power that the earth knows. Today, we continue our series chain of events the lord god of israel incorporated this these events and i'm going to tell you why to identify himself to his people he wanted his people to know what kind of a god he was all right now i have some more stuff in this paragraph to read that i could just ad lib but i'm going to read it because i want you to hear this is what was happening this is what was happening if you're just catching up with us, remember that in the land of Egypt, there was plenty. In the land of Canaan, where God's people were, 70 of God's people were starving to death. They all moved to Egypt for salvation, for, for, well, for salvation, yes, but for the, for the famine, not to kill them all, for survival. And so in that time frame, Joseph, who was second in command, gave them a massive plot of land and gave them a place to begin calling their home. But this was not God's long-term plan. Even though it was 400 years, it wasn't God's plan for them to say that this world is my home. Goshen is comfortable and fine for me. I'm just happy to hang out here. No, there was constantly an understanding that God wanted to infuse in his people that no matter how long you've been in a place of bondage, a place beyond your control, a place outside of your comfort, then guess what? I can take care of getting you out of there if you'll just let me. And here's what happened. As they were in the middle of this suffering, they were not just suffering with the whips and the, and the, uh, the, the slave, uh, slavery and the bondage of, of, the, of the surroundings, but they were suffering something else. Listen to this. They were suffering an identity crisis imposed by a way of polytheistic, pantheistic world system. They couldn't help but be 
inundated with the thought processes of the world of their day. Does that sound familiar? And they didn't even have Fox News and Twitter and Facebook and texting and radio. But they were, it's so clear, that they were having an identity crisis, making it necessary for God to identify himself so that, that they would really know who they were by knowing who God was. They couldn't really know who they were if God didn't show who he was. Can our Uganda brothers say amen? I love them sitting up here on the front row. Thank you, brothers. Let's fill up that whole section with Ugandan friends and family in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Amen. Listen, God says, I want to show you who you are, but I can't do that until I show you who I am. Isn't that exciting? Sit back, get yourself a good comfortable seat and watch who I am. Because when you see what kind of stuff I can do, you'll start realizing if you're my people, you're really dealing with the man of, you're dealing with someone who is so much more powerful than this world can comprehend. And that transforms your personal identity. So this identity crisis is truly, I believe, at the core of the Exodus. All around them, they have polytheistic thought processes. Polytheistic means many gods. And pantheistic, which means God is everything and everything is God. That's what pantheism means. And the world system that they find themselves in is so much like we're finding ourselves in today. Right? Trees are God. God is trees. Right? Beaches and whales, you know, protected and conservatism and being this and that and, 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 and world conscious and green earth and earth day and all this stuff in our world. That is really, can I tell you, when people really get that in their hearts, they are no more than being pantheistic. Right. I just want you to realize that right now. I threw that in for free. It's not even in my notes. You don't have to pay any extra admission for that one. Pantheism means everything's God. Those bricks, God. Yeah, man, that sky up there, that cloud, that's God. Yeah, God is those, and, I, and those are God. So familiar with 2020. So here's my big idea today. What we need is a renewal of an understanding of who the one true God really is. Are y'all going to sit on the edge of your seat and get ready to say, bring it on, pastor. You know why I want y'all to know this? It's not so you can just know it, but so you can turn around and tell somebody else. You're a God-serving, God-fearing individual who knows who you are because you know who he is. And until you know who he is, it's going to be difficult for you to tell anybody anything. We need to be so committed to God that we're not afraid to say to this world, my God is greater than your God. You need my God. And guess what? He wants to be yours today. Isn't that good news? All right, here's a scriptural analysis of today's deity sentiments. Scriptural analysis of today's deity sentiments. How many of you already fell asleep on that sentence? This will wake you up. But understand this, that in the last days will come 
or set in perilous times. Now, watch, watch. Everybody, just watch. If you have a Bible that's the Amplified, that'll be helpful. Otherwise, watch the screen because I'm, I'm using the Amplified to show you some stuff. See if this looks familiar to 2020. The last days will come perilous times. They'll set in. And they're times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. All right, now if that, if that sounds familiar to this world we're in, would you raise your hand? Oh, come on, everybody. What do we need to do? Do we need to get rewind and start the songs again? Uh, let's just catch up, okay? Everybody, catch up. When you see something on the screen that looks familiar to your world you're living in today, would you just raise your hand, okay? Get ready. Let me give you one quick test. Here we go, right here. The, the times of great stress and trouble with, that'll be hard to deal with and hard to bear are coming. Those of you who have your hand down, I don't know what kind of world you live in, but please invite us all. Tonight, let's all have a nice time of utopia, wherever that is. For people, here's the continuation of this analysis of de the deity sentiments. This is the way the world sees God today. Watch this. For, God, for people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered. Lovers of money and aroused by inordinate greedy desire for wealth, proud and arrogant and contemptuous boasters. Any hands? Do you really know people like that? They will be abusive, read it, they will be abusive, blasphemous, scoffing, disobedient to parents, oh, come on now. Anybody got a hand? Did we get a bunch of hands cut off suddenly? Oh no, abusive? Now, that's why I say I like this, this translation is it's bringing out, it says that they will be disobedient to parents, ungrateful, thank you, unholy, can everybody raise your hand on unholy? And profane. Thank you. Come on. Let's all just get into this. I'm feeling a little momentum here. Just keep those hands going if this looks familiar. They will be treacherous betrayers, rash and inflated with self-conceit. They will be lovers of sensual pleasures and vain amusements more than and rather than lovers of God. Why are... Well, I know theaters, I don't think theaters are open yet, but I just got to thinking, I have a feeling theaters, when they open, if they're not already, they, they're going to probably be surging in numbers more than churches and stadiums more than churches and online viewership of whatever's happening. Folks, our world is not so in love with God that they say, no, I don't have time for baseball and football. I got to go to church. No, I don't have time to do this at the theater. I got to go to church. Can I tell you, we live in a world that is so sensually minded that they want pleasures and vain amusements more than they want to come to church and be a lover of God. But I'm glad I'm with a group of people who've got the revelation. There's something better than some sport and something better than some entertainment and something better than some movie and some Hollywood little grin that's going to give you a little spark of, of, of enthusiasm for a moment. No, entertainment and all those things have got to go. For although they hold a form, watch this. You see there, who do they love rather than God? They love sensual pleasures, vain amusements, Lovers of themselves. For though, although they hold a, watch this, here's their religion. 
although they hold a form of piety, true religion, they deny and reject and are strangers to the power of it. Their conduct belies the genuineness of their profession. Avoid all such people. Turn away from them. Avoid all such people. Turn away from them. Now, if anybody's hanging up like I did, back on on verse number 5, it says they held a form of piety, true religion. Notice that that is lowercase r, and we're talking about something that's not the kind of religion we're talking about when it comes to an experience and a relationship with God. Here's the DEH2. Those are my initials, by the way. This is the DEH2 uh, uh, um, uh, commentary. In that little point of Scripture right there, here's what I say. Here's what true religion or piety means. They hold a form of piety. Does anybody know anybody that goes to church and they act like it's just like they're perfectly fine? But they're really living a life that is just as worldly as the rest of the world. Does anybody know people like that? That's called a form. It's called a form of piety. And here's what I call it. An appealing order of institutionalized man-made religion. It looks good on the outside. It seems appealing. But there's no power. There's no transformation. There's no life change. There's no alteration in our, our, our attitudes. But it's just... A form. It's just basically a, it's, it's just, just godless and powerless. Truly, the Bible does say to avoid all such people and turn away from them. We need to be very careful who we're watching on YouTube and Facebook because there are going to be people who seem to have such swaying, smooth words and logic that just pulls us in. Don't be a sucker. Okay? Don't be someone who is, a, who is just like going to just fall in like a naive person. We've got to take a stand and say, there are going to be, hey, we got to take a stand and say, where is the power? Show me the power. Is anybody being completely transformed? Is there a life that's been healed? Is there cancer that's been reversed? Is there a, is there a transformation that I can see? Has, has a home been put back together? Has a heart been healed? Has there been a marriage that's been brought back together? Come on and show me something that the power of the Lord is doing. Folks, can I tell you when you truly have the root of the Spirit, you're going to have the fruit of the Spirit. That's a little preview of tonight's home mission lesson. It's time to analyze God confusion and switch permanently, everyone, to the one true God. Can I just brag on him for a minute? Here's what Solomon said in his prayer. He said, O Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth beneath. Come on, somebody say, there's no God like you. Lift a hand and say, there is no God like you. Did we just sing it? Come on, if we could sing it, we can pray it. God, there is no God like you. There is no God like you in heaven above or on earth beneath, keeping covenant and showing mercy and loving kindness to your servants who walk before you with all their heart. If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing those whose minds, the God of this age. There's a God, lowercase g, who's on the loose. And that God is trying very hard to be your God.
But can I just tell you, hold on. Don't go down that that road because it's a disappointing road of frustration and failure. Say it with me today. I am going to make sure that I am loving and knowing and, and understanding the one true God and not the God of this world. Can I tell you the God of this age has blinded those who are whose minds are open to being blinded, who do not believe. Here's why. So the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So I'm just, I threw that scripture in there so you would know we're really up against something here. There's gods on the loose. And the God of this age is a God who wants you to worship Him. Philippians 3.18 says, There are many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears who walk or live as enemies of the cross of Christ the anointed one. Verse number 19, they are doomed and their fate is eternal misery. Perdition. Their God is their stomach, their appetites, their sensuality. They glory in their shame, siding with earthly things and being of their party. Wow. That right there is an I think, intriguing enough for me to realize if there is someone in this world who is literally serving their appetite and their sensuality as their God, Lord, please do not let it be me. If you know anybody who's serving their appetite and their personal preferences and they're wanting to do what they think is right and what they want to do and how they want to fulfill themselves, then folks, can I just tell you, if they're just pursuing their own passions then get away from them because they're people who are doomed the bible says their stomach is their god i pray right now that god would help us to wake up to that very powerful influence that's over the world now i'm not talking about something coming i'm talking talking about something that is here right now There has never been a day when there's been so much pleasure spread among so many people because of the blessings of middle-class America and the world in general having what we have. Folks, And there's never been a day when so many people are so wealthy and so capable and have so many options. So you know what that means? You and I have got to realize, God, please do not let me get in step with the God of this age. And don't let me fall prey to the God of my appetite. Lord, I want to be those who, I want to be someone who is serving you, Lord, the one true God who is calling on me to make sacrifices when necessary and to put you first and to love my neighbor as myself and not to love myself first. My God is better than your God. Unless you serve my God along with me. My God is better than your God. Let me remind you. I'm, I'm getting close to a wrap up. I want y'all to catch something real quick, all right? Let's go back to Exodus 12, 12. It says, I will pass through the land of Egypt, smite all the firstborn, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. We already read that, didn't we? Everybody say it with me. Against all the gods of Egypt. One more time, against all the gods of Egypt. Listen, everything that calls itself and wants to be a god in our world today has its number. God has its number and it does have a stale date and it does have an obsolescion. There is some coming up a point in time when it will happen no more and that God will exist no more and our God will be the God who is standing strong and firm and have eternity to give to his people who have decided, yes, I'm going to serve the one 
one true God and let not let myself go down the pathway of these temporary pleasure gods. Let my people go is what Moses commanded by God's orders. He commanded it to Pharaoh. And if you remember, Pharaoh ignored or challenged that 10 times. All right, and those 10 times are called the 10 what? Say it loud. 10 COVID coronavirus. 10 plagues. All right, so let's get our minds for a moment shifted back to the Exodus, and let's go to Egypt. And let me share with you in Egypt the number of deities that they worshipped, those ancient Egyptians, they loved worshipping gods so much that they had almost 1,500 gods and goddesses. And those 1,500 are known by name. It's shocking that they would have to have so many gods. There's a god of that fiber of carpet right here. And there's a God of that fiber of wood. And there's a God of this metal right here. Everything's a God. How would you like to be with people like that? It doesn't really compute real well with us because it just sounds so foolish and out of date. But folks, can I tell you, we live so close to this these days in our world where things that people you would never think are, are what people really adore and they're feeling affection for, suddenly they feel so, such affection and adoration that they center their lives around a cause that is certainly going to go down with this world and it will go up in flames with this world. I want to be serving a cause that is going to go stronger and grow greater and brighter and the end of this will be greater than the beginning and our God is a God who says of his government and peace there shall be no end is that the kind of God you want to serve that's my God my God is greater than your God unless you're serving the God of Egypt folks I don't want to serve the gods of Egypt now here, here's what I've done for speed because you're all sitting there you're all going oh boy we got 10 plagues to get through how long is this going to take I thought I was about to get my nice, warm, juicy cheeseburger right about now. Listen, I've, for, for your sake, I have condensed it into three categories of gods. You ready for this? Because every plague was a plague against a set of gods that Egypt adored and worshipped. All right, here we go. First one, first set of plagues against the gods of the water. Second, against the gods of the land. And third, against the gods of the sky. And there you have it. Three, three, and three. And there is no god in Egypt that they claimed would be powerful enough to raise somebody from the dead. So the tenth plague, there was no god that could compare to the God of Israel. So we have nine plagues that are focused. It's kind of like cannons are, are on a ship facing a, a little tiny little sailboat. And this is Egypt over here in their little sailboat. And they've got their, their, their world and they've got their gods and they think everything is so great and powerful and they can't, they, they've got it all together. They know so much and they have 1,500 gods. So leave me alone. Don't, don't invite me to church. I got plenty of gods. 
How many more God? I don't have room for one more. You'd think they'd have room for plenty more, right? But we've got a big gunship over here, a destroyer. And it's Almighty God, and he's got three cannons aiming at that. And, and he's just like, what is it going to take to get their attention? But it's not that so much as it is, what is it going to take to get my people who are here, who are ensconced and who are stuck in bondage to know what kind of a God I am? They have no idea what I am and who I am and what I can do. So let me show them. He didn't need to show them every day, every year, or every decade. He needed to show all the world one time. And I'm so glad we have the Bible that helps us to awaken every day to the beautiful fact that our God who got the people out of Egypt is the God who can get you out of your habit, out of your hurt, and out of your hang-up any day that you let him. Woo! So he launches his first salvo against the gods of the water. And that first plague, water was changed to blood. Second plague was the frogs, out of the water, right? Third plague was the lice, part of the water, part of the gods of the water. And you may say, hold on, what, how, what do lice have to do with water? The flood season in Egypt always brought with it mosquitoes that could quickly reproduce in the pools and puddles left by the retreating Nile. And the word lice most likely means mosquitoes throughout the land we're talking about gods of the water you know what our god says he says you think your gods are so important let me just launch a salvo and show you you don't have a god powerful enough to stop me do it if you can turn this water back into pure clear water they couldn't do it get rid of these frogs they couldn't do it their sorcerers tried their magicians tried they didn't have enough power you know what if you and me were alive we should have i would have been so excited to stand up with moses and say pharaoh my god is greater than your god why would you keep testing him that's three times Three times. But no, no, no. Three times wasn't, wasn't enough. Pharaoh kept playing the game. So here we come. Here comes the third, the second salvo against the gods of the land. The land-based plagues. Fourth plague was swarms. And we don't know what swarms means because Moses in his writing doesn't tell us swarms of what. Most likely it's some kind of flies probably coming out of the decomposed frogs. Now, does that sound fun? I mean, I'd be like, okay, hang on. How many more of these do we need? We've already had three, and now four? We got, there are swarms of flies everywhere? Fifth plague, another god of the land uh, that was being attacked or was being challenged, and that's the livestock diseased. Every livestock was diseased. And then the sixth plague is boils. Boils brought upon people. And it's at the sixth plague, folks, that the magicians are named for the last time because the magicians were completely having to throw their hands in the air and say, yeah, your God's greater than our God. I wonder if some magicians might have become Israelites about now. I'd have been pretty tempted, wouldn't you? Goodness, we got six plagues already, and nothing that we can do can have anything to do with them. Our scientific labs and all of our experiments and technology, we can't even compare. So, so what are you talking about, Abraham, who, Isaac, and who, Jacob? Maybe I want to know a little bit more about them. Oh, yeah. But it is the last time the, magi the magicians are mentioned. 
the gods of the land. Once that is all exhausted, God brings about the plagues against the gods of the sky. So Egypt had these gods, many, many more. But categorizing them is simple for us to understand. Gods of the water, gods of the land, and gods of the sky. And nobody could do a thing about what God was doing. How many of you think we could figure out a way to put a great big shield over the sky to stop the hail? There's no God on the earth that can do that. The hail fell from heaven and destroyed Countless lives and livestock. The eighth plague, locusts. The ninth plague, darkness. There's the gods of the sky. Darkness. From the perspective of the Egyptians, the absence of sunlight in this ninth plague had profound meaning. Here's the point. Egyptians believed that the regular circling of the sun god in the sky meant that he was going to keep blessing Egypt. And suddenly now we have an interruption and there's no more sun. It's a black sky. It's supposed to be day, but there's no light. Now it's night and there is night. Now it's supposed to be day and it's day. And it's not day, it's dark. God sent ninth plague of darkness the gods of Egypt were powerless. Woo! God's saying, I want some people in that, in, in that land of Goshen. I want my people to be able to say, that's my God doing that. And have enough strength and authority as they come out of Egypt to be able to say, the God I serve is the God who is the one who has brought this world system to her knees. And there is nothing you can do against my God. You may have a God of the water and a God of the land and God of the sky, but our God is greater than every single one of those gods you could possibly bring or conjure or dream up against all the gods of Egypt. And the final plague is directed against all the gods of Egypt in, in general. Exodus 12, 12, the scripture we already read twice. And this is the death of all the firstborn who would show, this would show the total, absolute inability of the gods of Egypt to protect any Egyptian. Pharaoh himself, keep this in mind, he was considered a god among his people. Think about it. So if, God, if Pharaoh is a god, a deity, surely no one can touch him. Right? But he's not a deity. He was just a man. And that last plague brings a blow to his home. That last plague brings a, pl a blow. And because now his son, after all of these other plagues have gone before, and they've been incapable of defeating and holding them back, now Pharaoh is at the bedside of his dead son, weeping and wailing and crying out. And he's now 
on the throne who's supposed to be, he, he's, he's, he's looking at the, the form of his son who was supposed to be an heir to the throne and now he has been taken, he's gone, he, he's lifeless. What is happening? Who are these people? God is simply saying, I need to show the world and all of history. In fact, I have a little group of people in Denver, Colorado in 2020 that I want to gather together in the house of God, maybe to watch online and I want a few of them to start realizing that's the same God who I am today. I have not changed. I'm the same yesterday, today and forever. And if I'm that God who knows how to take out all of those who are disbelieved, I can take out those today who are filled with disbelief. Can I tell you that all the gods of Egypt were silent? They were completely silent because they had no power. They were powerless. So what do I have to tell you? Brothers and sisters, friends and family, these people walked out of Egypt with their hand held high. Remember what we preached on that? They came out with a high hand. They came out because Pharaoh said, gone, go, be rid of, we can't take, take this anymore. You definitely have a God who is greater than our gods. And on the Exodus, and they make their way out, and they, and I'm gonna bypass a very important part of the story. But if we look at Exodus 15, 1, I'm going to invite everybody to join me. And what we're going to do right now when you're standing is we're going to stand on the other side of the Red Sea. Anybody with me? Let's stand on the other side of the Red Sea. What does that mean? That means we've come out. The Pharaoh, the Pharaoh's gods are all defeated. And now he's let us go. And look, and look, lo and behold, we've walked through the sea on dry ground. And we're standing on the other side. The sea has closed itself up over all of our enemies who were coming to attack us and to try to renege on their, their allowance. And look, here we are. We're free. We have no worries. All we have is a great, big, wonderful God who takes good care of his people. And he knows how to deliver us. We've got to sing a song. Does it make anybody want to sing a song that ought to make me want to break out in a dance break out in worship break out in praise and here it is Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord how about we all stand together and I want you to just get involved here today would you join me on the screen and sing it let's say it out loud I know it's a I know we're just going to read it but I want us to read it like authoritative individuals who can say our God is greater are you ready I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously the horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea the lord is my strength and song he has become my salvation he is my god and i will praise him my father's god and i will exalt him the lord is a man of war the lord is his name pharaoh's chariots and his army he has defeated he's cast into the sea whose chaplain he's chosen captains are also drowned in the red sea the depths have covered them they sank to the bottom like a stone your right hand O oh lord has become glorious in power your right hand O oh god has dashed the enemy in pieces and the greatness of your excellence you have overthrown those who rose against you you sent forth your wrath and it consumed them like stubble and with the blast of your nostrils the waters were gathered together the flood stood upright like a heap the depths congealed 
in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who? Oh, come on. Now, this is, there's no time to be quiet. Everybody together? Are you ready? Come on, let's get it out. Who is like you, oh, Lord? Among the gods who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders. Everybody aloud, you stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed them. You in your mercy have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them by the greatness of your arm. They will be still as a stone till your people pass over, O oh Lord, till the people pass over whom you have purchased. Somebody say amen to the song of Moses. This is a song we're singing today. It's a song that needs to stay alive in our hearts. Praise God. I've got to tell you, as you're standing, and we conclude here today, Exodus 8, 18 and verse number 11 is another recounting, and it just simply says, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods. Folks, let's not wait until we're in hellfire to look up and say those words. Let's not wait until we're in our deathbed. Let's not wait until we're in a desperate mode of tragedy. No, today is the day for all of us to raise our head and say, I know Pastor Haman has helped us to see because of your word that you've laid on his heart for us. Lord, it is here and we know. Everybody say, I know. Folks, we got to know that the Lord is greater than all the gods. For in the very thing in which they behave proudly, he was above them. My God's greater than your God. Nanny, nanny, nanny. My daddy can beat up your daddy. My God has all power. And you dare throw a lob of your God against my God. Nothing will come from it. Can I just tell you today, if we take those three categories and consider the ten plagues broken down into three categories, I want you to know in the New Testament, my God is the God of the water. Say it with me. My God is the God of the water. 1 Peter 3.20 Who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited. This is a scripture about the days of Noah while the ark was preparing in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. 
Our God can not only send the rain, but He can cause the flood. He is in charge of the water. You may have your little water gods, Egypt, but guess what? Our God is greater. Here's what our God does. He actually saves us through His water. Water literally saves us. And what is that water saving us called? Woo! Come on, a few of you with a little revelation. What is it called when water saves us? It is baptism. If you have not been baptized in Jesus' name, then I challenge you today. I encourage you today. I I say today is the day to fall before the God of the water. Water baptism. Baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but an answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is where we get the scripture that says repent and be baptized in the water. That's right. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is the spirit of the God I'm preaching about inside you. Thank you, Lord. My God is the God of the water. And my God is the God of the land. I like to liken the land to earthen quality. Something from the earth, right? There's nothing more appropriate and timely than for us to recognize we all are earth. We're all clay. This clay that you're sporting around and spraying your cologne on and decorating and cleaning and getting all ready to come to church or whatever you're doing, soon it will return to dust and ashes. Unless there's a rapture first, and I'm praying for that. Even so, come Lord Jesus. But just to show you, there's no more important land in your world and my land in my world than your earthen vessel. And look at this beautiful scripture about my God, who is God of the land. Second Corinthians 4, 7. We have. That's right. If you've been baptized in Jesus' name, <laughs> if you've been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. My God is the God of the land. That's right. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not in us. We're hard pressed on every side yet not crushed. We're perplexed but not in despair. Persecuted but not forsaken. We may be struck down but not destroyed. You know why? It's because we have a treasure in the land. Amen. Aren't you glad for the treasure in the house? Anybody got a treasure in your earthen vessel? Lift your hands and thank God right now for the Holy Ghost. Anybody who wants the Holy Ghost, you can receive it today. If I were you, I wouldn't leave this house until I have the God of the land inside me. Oh, Egypt, I've got news for you. My God is greater than your God. My God is the God of the water of the land. And he's the God of the sky. Pastor, how do you say that? Well, because Acts 1.11. Remember the angels appearing as the disciples, followers of Jesus, followed him outside of town. Forty days had gone by since he was resurrected. And now he says a few last words. And then suddenly as they watch, he's getting taller. He's stretching. No, he's not stretching. We're looking up. His feet aren't touching the ground anymore. And they they watch him get higher and higher and higher. And they peek as far as away as they can see and they see him disappearing. The 
Bible says, in a cloud. But watch my God of the sky. These angels said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, the God of the sky, (laughs) he will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. He's the God of the sky. Our God is greater. Come on, Egyptians, shut it down. Don't just let God's people go. You need to become God's people. It's time to wake up and say, if he's the God of the land, the God of the water, the God of the sky, I want that God inside of me. In Jesus' name. So I conclude with Joshua 24, 15. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites, lowercase gods, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we're not going to serve any other God but the great God. He's the God of all gods. Polytheism be gone. Paganism be gone. Heathenism be be gone because we found the one true God. Folks, this ought to help you to raise your head above the world and say, I am a Bible-believing, Holy Ghost-filled individual man, individual woman who has God. If any of you right now feel as though maybe you've let God down, maybe you've kind of just walked a little bit askew from God, and maybe you've stepped over some lines that you should never have, I want to invite you. Anybody who would like to pray and be filled with the Holy Ghost, may I invite you. Let's spend the last few moments of this service in a time of prayer. You and I have got to make sure that we're connecting with and that we are, we are we're being aligned with the people of Israel coming out of Egypt with a brand new revelation. We thought all these gods around us were so powerful, but now we know our God is greater. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Turn to prayer with me. Friends, this is your opportunity now to take this message into your own hearts, into your own possession. I preached this for you. I didn't preach this for me. I preach this for the listener and for the household of faith. It's time for us right now to grab hold of a decision. Lord, I will serve you. I will not serve any other God. The God who is greater than any God on this planet is going to be my God permanently, forever. Right now, I make a 100% decision. It doesn't matter what I get out of it. I'm going to serve that God. And it starts with baptism, repentance, the infilling of the gift of the Holy Ghost. Anybody here today who has not yet been baptized, who has not repented of your sin, today's your day. Let's pray 